Hello and welcome to a new episode of Project 25. For today's episode, I interviewed Candice Ward. If you're in Calgary, you have probably heard about her. She is an indigenous freelance sport, editorial, and commercial photographer. Her portfolio includes clients such as the Calgary Hitmen, Calgary Roughnecks, the Calgary Flames, USA Today Sports, and ESPN. But Candice is more than her career. She's a dog lover, a basketball and sports enthusiast, and someone who loves and supports her community. In fact, she serves as a role model for Indigenous youth, and in 2018, she received the Aboriginal Role Model Award for Arts and Media. Also, in 2016, she was named to the Canadian Association for the Advancement of Women in Sports and Physical Activity list of most influential women in sports and physical activity. This interview was amazing. <laughs> Candice talked about not being afraid of failure, being persistent towards goals, and all about the experiences as a 25-year-old that ultimately led her to where she is now. She also provided us with great advice. And well, this was a lovely chat in which we laughed a lot, so I hope that you love it as much as I did. Project 25 was born out of the obsession that we have of figuring things out. Honestly, being 25 is weird because we either pursue certain goals without questioning if they're what we truly want, or we're not sure what direction to follow, and that leaves us with a lot of uncertainty. I'm Andrea Juarez, I'm 25, and I decided to ask my family members, friends, and people I admire about their experiences being 25, what they did, what were their beliefs, what they learned, and what's their advice for the new generation of 20-somethings. There is a lot to live and learn, and I believe that by listening to others, we can reflect and learn a little bit more about ourselves and think about what we want for our present and for our future. So, Candice, just to start off the interview, I want to ask you, how would you describe yourself? Already so loaded. <laughs> how would I would describe myself? I think that's... I don't want to place my whole identity on being a sports photographer. I would like to describe myself as a good person trying to be a great person. A good person trying to be a great person. That's how I describe myself. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and Candice, what did you do when you were 25? So were you studying or were you already working? What were your hobbies? I actually was going into my first year of journalism school at SAIT at 25. So I had also hit my quarter life crisis and decided maybe it's time to do something with my life. And I'd always had a big interest in photography. So I decided it's time to take that next step. It's time to be an adult and stop messing around and get a job. <laughs> so, well, I had a job, but a job that I was going to want to do for years and years and years, like a career I would be interested in and excited about going to every day. And hobbies, I don't think I had very many hobbies. I kind of actually grew a little later. I was playing volleyball and I actually hate volleyball. So I think it's just like reintroducing myself to the love of playing sports because I hadn't played sports in a really long time since high school. And it was just kind of like discovering 
that there was like a sports community for adults just recreationally. And the, the only one I really knew about was playing volleyball. So I had joined a team with a bunch of random people that I knew. And so I started playing volleyball again. And that was really all I had for hobbies at the time. Yeah, because I read on your bio too that you used to play a lot of sports as well. And that's what drove you into sports journalism, right? Kind of, actually. <laughs> I played like in high school, junior high, almost everything you could play as a female. Like in high school, females weren't playing football, so I didn't play football. I also didn't golf, but females could golf in, in high school. I just didn't. It wasn't like an accessible sport for me. I didn't have the money to play golf or had any experience playing golf. But like I played basketball, ran track, curled, volleyball, badminton. I think that's it. My high school was pretty small, so we didn't have very much. So I basically did what I could, basically everything I could. And my mom was insanely supportive, not in the sense that she showed up to watch, but we lived out of town by about 20 minutes and like, we didn't have a lot of money. So like fees and gas, she worked a job just so that we could play sports. Me and my brother could play sports. So she worked so that it could afford our tournament fees, our uniforms, our our team fees and gas to and from practices. So basically that's what my mom was working for. So that allowed us to take part and be involved in any way we want so that living out in the country wasn't a disadvantage to us. But after high school, I like didn't play anything, didn't do anything. I didn't watch it up until my sports career. I never actually watched any sports on TV. I hated watching them on TV. And then in school, when I started photography, the intent was never to go into sports photography. I knew I liked working with people. Like that was very simple. And that was a very easy thing for me as I knew I wanted to work with people. And I was kind of more interested in portraits, but through photojournalism, like you have to learn different genres of photography, like news to do news and feature and sports and portraits and things like that. But once we started doing sports photography, it's like, I love this. This is so fun. Catching moments that you will never be able to catch again. You can never replicate it. And like feeling that excitement of sport again, that was like, this is for me. This is what I love. I love this. So that's when I kind of fell back in love with sports again and started playing more and guiding my career into sports. So that's kind of the pivotal kind of moment was back around 25 was reinvesting myself back into sport. Yeah. So going back to what you loved, but in a different way, very different way. Like I, <laughs> you know, like at 25 years old, like you're not going to make a college basketball team, very unlikely you're going to start your career in basketball or start your career in badminton maybe, but it's, it's unlikely that you're going like, to make the Olympics, but there's other avenues in sport. It doesn't have to be by playing. There are other avenues that you can make it to like the big leagues and in sport without having to be a player in that sport. That's very true. And Candice, I know you were saying that, oh, at 25, you thought like, oh, I have to be an adult now. So I meant to ask you that. So besides that, like, what did you think when you were 25? So what was your vision of the world? Or did you have a specific mindset towards life or a career or relationships? Yeah, it was very different than how I view things now. I kind of followed a little bit of a more Western traditional mindset in that get out of high school, you eventually should go to college, find a partner, get married, have kids. That 
path did not seem to fit for me. Didn't feel right. Something didn't quite feel right. So when I graduated school, I, I did actually go to college, but it didn't feel right. It didn't fit. So like I went to the University of British Columbia for, I only lasted a semester, but I was like, this doesn't feel right for me. I think I need to take some time. So from about 19 to about 24, I worked as a server. I, were, I were actually worked a bunch of random jobs, some retail, but the, the main chunk in there, I worked as a server and I loved it. Working as a server, the soft skills that you learn being a server is incredible. The ability to multitask, to deal with people, to problem solve. The skills I learned from that part of my life and how I take it into what I do now are so invaluable. Like I don't think I would be as good at what I do now if I hadn't had that experience. There's no regret there at all. Working as a server was probably one of the best decisions I ever made. Also, it was great money, like not going to lie. <laughs> I'm charming and people just hand over their cash. No, just kidding. <laughs> but at a certain point, I was seeing somebody at the time on and off for a few years. And I'll come back to reading my diaries because I actually find this very, very funny. I thought he was the end all be all of everything in my life. Like at 24 years old, that that was it. That was this is my life. Like we'd been seeing each other on and off for four years. It's so funny because I read my diary from that time. And I thought it was like, that was everything. And that's what love was and read other parts of it. And then there's other pieces in between where I'm like, oh, this person's so cute. I'm like, what? <laughs> how was that? Like, how did I think I thought that was everything for me, but yet I'm not that focused other days. Like it just, oh, yeah, I look back at it and I laugh so hard. So I guess my advice piece from that is if you're 25 now, keep a diary of what you think and feel. Because when you're older, when you're a lot older and you go back to read it, it is like the funniest stuff ever. But uh, that's what I thought my way of life was supposed to be. And then I saw how it was starting to shake out and how it was starting to form my future. So being with this person, we were kind of talking about what our long-term goals were and what we were going to do. And so I was living here in Calgary and I was working as a server and I was living like in a basement suite, like a pretty reasonably priced basement suite with like a former coworker. It was a great deal. I liked the place. The lifestyle was working out really well for me. I was having a lot of fun my relationship was long distance. So he was about six hours away. So we were talking about what we wanted to do. And at one point he was a little bit older than me, not much, probably about two years older than me. And he owned a house. And then we were talking about some stuff. And he said to me, you should move back here because you're just a server who lives in a basement. And I was like, yeah, that's not what you want to hear from your potential husband. Yeah. And I don't think fully think we were on the path to get married, but we were on a path, a very serious relationship. We'd been on and off for four years, but we were at the point that we knew we loved each other and we wanted to be together and things were moving in a very serious way. But that statement was like, nope, this is not a person I can be with. If that's how they look at me, I have more value in myself. And I'm not coming from a place of like, having a lot of value of myself at 25. 
I'm sure that like you're still growing your confidence. You're trying to figure out what you want to do, where you want to be. You're not as like you mentioned, you're not as sure of yourself at 25. But I knew I was better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And good for you. I knew I was better than that attitude and that behavior. So yeah. the breakup was very odd in that we just stopped talking to each other. Like after this path of being together, I had seen him one time and we didn't get into a fight, but basically it was like, I hugged him goodbye. And then we never spoke again. It was really weird. <laughs> so you ghosted was, each other. <laughs> yeah, there was like no closure, but this is like earlier than the ghosting time. So it was really weird. I don't hate it though. <laughs> I don't hate the way things ended. And I'm, I am not resentful for this person at all. I have seen them since, but I th- think I've only seen them twice. I've only seen them twice. And this is, this has been quite a long time. And we still have mutual friends. So the fact that we have mutual friends and we've only seen each other twice, I consider that a win. But (laughs) I don't resent this person. It's just that was an eye-opening moment to be like, all right, if I have this much value for who I am, I owe it to myself to be that better person. There is nothing wrong with being a server who lives in a basement. But that was not my end goal. That was never the end goal. It was just like I was having lots of fun, but I was unfocused at the time. It was just like the light of saying like, yeah, I actually am unfocused. This isn't what I want, but I'm not going to do that for the sake of this guy. I'm going to do this for me. So I'm like, goodbye to the guy, but let's do something for me. So right before I turned 25, I started traveling. So I did a little bit of traveling. I took my first trip. Like I hadn't traveled at all. Like I've never really gone anywhere at all. So me and a friend went to Disneyland and Vegas. And then I solo went to Europe for a while. So I saved all my like tip money and had enough in change to pay for a trip to Europe, which is like insane to think that I like had to take two trips into the bank with my like giant mounds of change because it was so heavy to pay for my trip to Europe and traveled alone. So I did some traveling alone and I had an amazing time, met some really cool people. One who I actually still hang out with now, our origin story of how we met is so funny because it was like me and another girl from Edmonton were on this ferry in Greece uh, going to Santorini And this other girl heard us talking and made her boyfriend at the time. She was like, hey, they're speaking English. Go talk to them and make friends. So I'm still friends with her. And she's one of the most beautiful humans I know. And I still talk to her. And that's been a while. We've been friends for a while. So that trip to Europe was great. But when I got back, I had applied for the journalism program and decided it was time to just pursue something as a career. So that's kind of why I believed what I believed and why I did what I did. That's kind of what life was looking like at 25. Yeah, I love it. And I find that even like traveling or being by yourself in a place you've never, ever been, you can learn so much about yourself. <laughs> if it's, it doesn't matter if it's uh, in another continent or in another city, it's just somewhere that's not where you grew up and you're by yourself. It's life-changing. <laughs> yeah, the moment I stepped off the plane, So I get off the plane in England and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) I was like, where am I? I don't know how to get to my hotel. This is not pull your phone up, pull your GPS up kind of time. This is aging me now, like so much. (laughs) I was like, 
I don't know what to do. I do not know how to get to my hostel. I do not know how to work a train system this elaborate. I am feeling so lost. It wasn't a feeling of regret. It was just overwhelmed. Yeah. And then it took me three hours to get to my hostel. And that's how I actually met the girl from Edmonton. She was on my flight. And we ended up at random hostel at the same time. Totally different paths to get there. We didn't cross paths on our route to get to this hostel, but we both ended up at the same hostel at the same time. (laughs) And I recognized her because of the bag she had. I saw her in Calgary. She had the Canada flag tote bag. And then she showed up in my hostel. So that's how I met her. And we actually stayed friends for quite a while. We were probably friends for five or six years after, but her life took her all over like Western Canada. So we kind of lost touch in there. Um, But that traveling alone piece is like figuring things out on your own, problem solving. It sounds like it's so simple to just do it, but it it is not. The first time you do it, it's like terrifying in a good way, but you learn so much about yourself. You learn how strong you are, or how brave you are, or like how good you are at problem solving or how much you just actually like when people do things for you. <laughs> yeah, it takes mental effort to do all of yeah. that. Yeah. Sometimes I like people to just make decisions for me. (laughs) I've gotten to that point now that I'm just like, yeah, you decide. (laughs) Like, and I'm not really that kind of personality. I'm very take charge on everything, but some stuff, it's just nice to sit back and be like, yeah, sure. Let's do that. (laughs) (laughs) And Candice, from when you were 25 to the day, what has changed? So in yourself, in the world, in your environment? Well, I would like to say everything changed but currently I am in a spare bedroom living with my mom so (laughs) I don't know what's changed no I didn't live with my mom at the time so really I've regressed (laughs) I'm getting closer to going back into the womb at this point (laughs) actually no pretty much everything has changed. I don't view the world the same way. I don't view my purpose the same way. I feel like I'm a very, very different person. Like to the core, I'm the same person. Like I'm still lighthearted, love to have fun. I'm kind, I'm thoughtful, considerate and generous, but I am more outspoken. I'm more sure of what I want. I'm not really afraid of a lot. Like I am and I'm not. Like I'm afraid of being mediocre and I'm afraid of not advancing and not pursuing something that makes me happy. I'm afraid of getting stuck in that kind of rut, but I'm not afraid of trying it and I'm not afraid of failing. I fail all the time. That that doesn't scare me in the least bit. It's maybe more the fear of not wanting to fail anymore. (laughs) I feel everything is different. 25, I was a server slash student living in a basement. (laughs) Now I'm a sports photographer, but I'm living in my mom's bare room. (laughs) But right now I'm just in a temporary transition because I I was living in a light where you live, I don't think really makes a difference. But I took the summer off to rest and try and find some creativity again. So I put all my stuff into storage and left and went to Vegas for the summer. So I've been gone since May long weekend and it's September 30th now. And I'm still trying to figure out what kind of living situation makes the most sense for me. So while I figure that out, I'm just staying with my mom for like the month. That's it. I'm not, not too proud to say that. uh... (laughs) So probably when this podcast is out, you'll be living somewhere else. (laughs) Maybe. Who knows? (laughs) Who knows what I'm going to do? 
things are a little up in the air at the moment. I, I've hit a certain point where I'm just like, what is the best way to advance? And what is the best way that I feel like I'm representing my people as well? Like I want to forever be, it's not that I want to be a role model. I just want to be good representation. I want to represent my culture well. And I think sitting or staying in status quo, it's not doing that. I think pushing to be better, not just as a photographer, but like as a better person and a better human is important. So doing the same thing over and over and over again, but not feeling like you're advancing. I'm not just doing myself a disservice. I'm doing my my people a disservice. And I want people to know that they can push for greater and better things that they want and to stay motivated. So that's the phase I'm kind of in right now is trying to figure out like, what are the next steps that are best for me that satisfy my creativity and keep me happy and moving forward? Like I'm the type of person that everything has to move forward all the time. I can't just stand still and let things move around me. I have to either be moving with it or I need to be moving faster than it. So that's what I'm kind of working on now is, is it staying here in Calgary and working within my community here? Or is it going to be finding a way to expand into a bigger market or build into a bigger market and show my people that you don't have to stay at home? You don't have to leave either to make an impact, but you don't have to be afraid to leave your community that where you're comfortable to be making an impact. So it's, it's a lot transitional stuff right now and a lot to be thinking about. So I really don't know where the next step is going to take me. But thankfully, I have a lot of very supportive clients in what I do and a lot of supportive people in my life. So I don't have to worry about whatever decision I make, no matter what, I'm going to be supported in it. And I'm going to be happy with whatever I do anyways. Like it might be uncomfortable for a while, but success is uncomfortable. Can't succeed without getting a little uncomfortable. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing that, Candice. And actually, when you were mentioning that you want to be a good representation for your community, because I was, like I mentioned on that email, I was reading the Avenue article about you, which mentioned the disproportionately low number of women and Indigenous photographers in mm -hmm. the sports industry. So I wanted to ask you, because you work in such a male-dominated field, so how has that experience been like for you? Over the years, you're seeing quite a big shift. You're seeing a lot more women in the field now. Unfortunately, I do not see a single Indigenous woman shooting high-level sports. I have not met one yet. If there is one out there, please somebody send me and connect me to them because I have not found one yet. And I'm not discrediting if there is one out there. It's just, I obviously, neither of our representation is doing the job because we haven't found each other yet. But if you look at the leagues and you look at the NHL, And you look at the list of team photographers from last season. I'm going to just, there are been some shifts in this new season, which has not been clear on who's where yet. There are 32 teams. There are two women photographers and only one that is a minority. Of the women, there's only one that's a minority. So you have one minority woman in a league of 32. You look through the NFL, there are more women that are working as team photographers and a few that are minorities, but I'm going to say it's still heavily male dominated. I'm not going to say it's white male dominated. I'll say it's just heavily male dominated because the research on the backgrounds of, of these males are maybe not necessarily super clear. In Calgary, I will say we're still fairly white male dominated, but over the years, 
I didn't know. Okay. This is, this is an interesting kind of thing. I had no problem at the start, no problem. And I don't want to say that I think they felt I was not a threat to them. Realistically, there was either the ones who are genuinely just really nice people, which they are, and there are a lot of them. And then there's others in the room that never feel like you're a threat. So they're nice and they're polite. These ones always stay the same. So the ones that are just genuinely nice people, they're the ones who are focused on themselves and what they're doing and worried about themselves and only in competition with themselves. These are the people you would like to align with. These are the people that will always be your ally. And then you have the very few on the other hand, very few, but they're there and they feel like they're the ones that are the strongest. I mean, strongest, but I just mean like they're the ones that stand out more because that's where you feel where you don't belong. Like I said, there are a majority of them that just aren't worried about you in general and are genuinely your ally. But you get the few that kind of start to sort of ruin the, the experience and make it a little more difficult to you. It's the ones that they're good to you until you become a threat. And realistically, you're never really a threat. You really never are. Because in my eyes, I don't care what anybody else is doing. I really don't care. Like I'm competing against me. I'm trying to get a better picture than I got last time. I'm learning from my mistakes from last time. I'm not going on. I want to see what everybody else is doing, but I can't ever be in the same spot as them or it's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous to try and like outshoot somebody else. It's fun to joke about it in the room. Like I say that with one other guy that I usually work with. We're not really competing with each other. I really just say that to him to form a bond and like have a conversation with him and just have fun and stuff like that. We joke and then we just show each other our pictures after and it's like, oh, that one's really good. It's luck of position a lot of the time. It's not that he's a better photographer than me. It's just luck of position. And I don't go home where you're like, oh man, this person got a way better photo than me. Oh, my career's over. I don't think about that. I'm like, what can I do different to be better than I was last game? That's what I'm worried about. I'm worrying about me me against me all the time. So these other people in the industry that are so worried about you and talking crap about you or trying to ruin your career, they are not important. (laughs) So it is tough. And I think beyond that, there's a different level of it being tough to be a minority woman shooting sports. I think it's less about the other photographers So being in the room, like, yeah, it can be uncomfortable sometimes because you'll find people that just genuinely don't like you or are threatened by you or just don't care that you're there. So sometimes they just don't talk. It's just in their personality. It's not that they don't like you. They're just doing their thing and they're focused on what they're doing. Sometimes that's me on game day. Not likely. I usually try and keep it pretty light, but I talk a lot generally, but it's a lot of the time the problem actually comes in more organizationally. So not thinking If you've got somebody in the role who is not a minority, not a woman, or sometimes it is women, sometimes it is minorities, but not looking past what they know or who they know when it comes to hiring, that's where we see the problems. We see that sometimes the doors are just not opening for us. It's not that we're not qualified. It's just we're not getting the opportunity. So that's where the problem has been coming in and then that, that I've been noticing over the last probably five years is that it doesn't matter what you do or how good you are. Sometimes the door just doesn't open because they're busy opening the door for something they know and find comfortable or what has been done in the past. So like 
if traditionally we've got a lot of male sports photographers and some of these people in positions of hiring, they've worked with them in the past. They know them from other places because they've been a photographer or they've worked in the industry and they know each other. They kind of just are opening the door for each other. And that's not true everywhere. I've been very lucky. I'm qualified. I'm very qualified for what I do. And a lot of people have seen that. So opportunities have been available to me. So like getting contracts with the Hitman, Roughneck, Stamps, all of those places, it's been because of the work. It's not because of my diversity or because I'm a woman. It has strictly been because of the work, but it doesn't hurt now in in the sense of representation to be on the stage and representing my community. it, It looks good to my community. So I know that there are people that are very excited. It doesn't have to be a lot of people. It only takes one, like you only need to inspire one person to realize that there's a better life for them or that there's a career for them in something they never thought they could do or achieve because they don't see themselves in it. But like I hear randomly from like the most unexpected places that they're like, oh, they're so proud that they know you and that they tell all their friends and it's like comes from kids or stuff like that. And it's so you're like, really? (laughs) That's cute. You're just doing you. And then you hear from like people back home, it's like, oh, they're so proud that you did this or you were shooting like a Stanley Cup game or like you do this regular, you get to work with these athletes that you do this. It's like, they're so proud and they tell all their friends and they're so excited. And I'm like, that's the point of like influencing your communities because now they can see it. And I thought about this the other day when I was in Vegas, I got super into WNBA going to the game, seeing it live. Like I love basketball and I still play basketball. I'm one of the oldest people out on the court in my league. And like, I'm fine. I'm totally fine. I can compete and I'm good. And I'm not good. Meaning like like, you enjoy it and you know how to play. (laughs) It's just for fun. We're not playing for anything, but seeing these women live out their dreams I did not have the exposure to this at all as a kid. When I played basketball in like junior high and stuff, like I had no exposure. I lived in the middle of nowhere. For some reason, our our basketball team was really good as a kid. In my class alone, we had five or six girls only. So in junior high, we didn't have very many girls to pull from, but yeah, we had a really good team, but I didn't have exposure to the WNBA. So I did not think in any world that could be a career path for me. So like, I never tried for it. I just took basketball for fun, played here and there. I didn't have the opportunity for extra training because where was it going to go? I didn't know where it could go somewhere. I knew there was the option to maybe play in a Canadian college. That was my exposure. I didn't see it. So that's the important part now. Like you see, girls going to WNBA games and this is a possibility for them now they're seeing these women living their dreams and playing professional basketball for them it's a real possibility so if you see it you can be it that really means something and I think people of a non-minority don't realize how important that is so that's a big one for me so that pushes me not necessarily doing it for them all the time. I'm doing it for me, but in the back of my head too, I'm like, this is important to other people. This is not just important to me. This is important to other people to see that women out in the communities, they have options. If they want to work in sports, they want to be close to the action, but maybe aren't gifted athletically like I am not. There are options for them. There's broadcasting. There is like there's sports photography. There's like business ops, coaching, there's GM, VPs of whatever they want to do. Like those options are there, but they need to see people in those positions to believe that they can do it. 
Yeah, that's why representation is so important. It's like, oh, if this person who looks like me was able to do it, then I can do it. Yeah, at 25, I didn't see that. At 25, starting in this career, I did not see anyone in my career that looked like me. At 25, I began to explore my culture a little bit more and really start seeing the beauty and the the joy and the, the really positive things, the humor. <laughs> if you don't know any Indigenous people, get to know some because we are very funny people. But just like connecting with more people and more professionals in my community and seeing the positivity and because it was always like growing up, I always saw the really negative side of things. I was very detached from it. And then around 25, like when I started my career in photography, it really started pushing me back towards my culture and realizing the importance. And like I said, not seeing anybody like myself and then being like, okay, this is important. Why? If I'm not seeing it, nobody else is seeing it. So how many people is that discouraging? So you got to push forward, right? Yeah. I love it. And Candice, I wanted to ask you, what has been your biggest challenge and how did you deal with it? I think right now or like at 25, which do you prefer? I mean, feel free to go off. If you had any challenges at 25, you can also share the ones right now throughout your journey from when you were 25 to this day. I think at 25, when I went into school, I knew what I kind of wanted to do. Like I knew I wanted to pursue a career in photography. Wasn't sports per se, that didn't come till a little bit later, but I did know that I was interested in news photography. So I did pursue like a, a newspaper career first. And then, yeah, I pursued in news first. So sports came a little bit later, but I did love sports. I was pretty certain I wanted to stay in Calgary. I didn't want to go move somewhere to a small town to work for a small town paper. I got lucky in that I worked in the city for Metro News and I had a great editor who really helped me focus in to be a good writer as well as a photographer. So I got very fortunate there. The challenges along the way, I've been pretty focused in my career for a long time. So work-wise, I think I've always been pretty good. Right now, I'm just in a transitional period, but it's my status quo is great. So I have really good clients. I have a really fun job. So what you saw on Avenue is very accurate, but I feel like I'm at that point. I feel like I could be doing more and I should be doing more. I feel like now is the time for growth. And that's a challenge is knowing when to step away from the comfort zone and know that it's time to grow and what you need to do to grow and going to be uncomfortable. Yeah. So I don't really worry about money per se, like I do and I don't. I know that it eventually always comes. You could be broke today and then tomorrow you get a contract for like $5,000 for a day's work. I've learned to let go of that and just trust the process on the financial end of things. If you're good at what you do, people will see that and people will hire you. And as long as you're valuing your work properly and pricing things appropriately, not overworking yourself and overburning yourself out, that's you'll do well and live within your means. <laughs> There's my biggest challenge, life balance. Okay, that's the best possible answer I could give you. My biggest challenge has been life balance. It has not been financial. I've been okay there. I've lived within my means other, other than deciding to live in Vegas for three months. Because, you know, when you want to live in Vegas, you got to live in Vegas. <laughs> you got to do it right. I want to be very clear too on this. This is super important to me. I don't drink. I don't drink alcohol. So me living in Vegas doesn't mean I'm out partying. I still go out and party and have fun, but partying to me is socializing and being out past 10 o'clock. Yeah. That's a party to me. So that doesn't involve 
any substance or, or alcohol or anything like that. It, it just involves me being out when it's dark. <laughs> out with other people that's what I love that (laughs) (laughs) like staying up so that I might have a little bit of a sleep hangover that's all so yeah like financially not a big deal but finding balance that has been the most difficult part for me one thing you do worry is maintaining clients so you tend to say yes to things when you're so busy You've been so busy that you're scared to lose the client. It's not necessarily about losing the financial part. Sometimes you genuinely just love the client and you love the work that you're doing that you don't want to say no because you don't want to lose it. So you end up taking on too much and then not finding time for yourself. So right now I'm lacking balance in personal health. So like I find I don't have enough time to get to the gym sometimes or eat properly. And that has affected my health. I've had moments that have forced me to slow down. Like I tore my ACL. So that affected my business and that was difficult. And then those kind of things like missing games or missing work, that affects me mentally. And then I had like some other like mental health shifts. I have two moms, so I have to be very clear about this. I have two mothers, but the mother that raised me, the one who made all the accommodations for me to be in sports as a kid, she passed away in 2016 right at the same time I tore my ACL. So a lot of my mental health outlets are through playing basketball, physical activity, but tearing my ACL meant I couldn't play. So that was really tough and that was really hard. So then trying to find an outlet and trying to like mentally wrap my brain around it. And like I deal with comforting myself with food, not the best thing in the world. And then last year, my dog died and my dog was my best friend in my, in the entire world. I loved that dog more than anything. And all be all, I was devastated. So losing her was really, really tough and trying to go through that. I didn't fully understand, like with my mom, it was a little bit different. She had been suffering for quite a few years. So part of that, you get comfort in knowing that their pain is gone. But with a dog, it's a little more selfish, I think, because they're with you all day, every day. They're your main focus. They're like every decision I made in the day was based around this animal. Like, have they been fed? Have they been walked? Are they feeling good? Have they been let out? Like you think about that throughout your day and you schedule your day around that. Like I wasn't scheduling my day around my mom all the time. I talked to my mom every other day. I would see her once or twice a week, maybe once every two weeks kind of thing. And I loved her very, very much, but I also knew it was, the grief was very different. I was not prepared for this kind of grief with my dog. And I know that sounds silly, but if you've ever lost an animal, you can feel what I'm talking about. It's a different kind of grief than losing a parent. So losing her, that was really tough. And I don't think I got fully to the other side of the grief because it happened during COVID, some of the lockdowns in sports. So I wasn't working very much. So I thankfully got to spend a lot of time with her before she passed away. She'd gotten sick. So I I had about five months with her before we made the decision to put her down, me and my ex-partner. And thankfully he was really good through all of it. But so I was kind of going through this alone and then work started. When, when we were open for summer, sports came back in an unsustainable rate. Like work came back at a rate that I could not handle it. It was so much, but because you hadn't been working very much for just over a year, you had to take it all because you didn't know if it was going to shut down again. So like I burnt out so bad. I had no balance. 
it was to the point like towards the end when I realized I needed a break that I could only live off of McDonald's and Red Bull. I only had time to get to a drive through slam a Red Bull before like sitting at my computer for another six hours to edit, to go into like more games, more clients. I had speaking gigs. I had little gallery shows. I had this, that like a million things thrown onto my plate that I was like, I did in November of last year, I went to Wisconsin for a week. So I had a week off, but in the month of November, I did a third of my year's business in the month oh of my November God. last year. It was insane. I burnt out so bad, like mentally burnt out. It's horrible. And, yeah. Physically burnt out, mentally burnt out, emotionally burnt out. I had no balance at all. And I'm like, I need to reset. Like I need a hard reset. I was a mess. You wouldn't know it. My mood was a little shifted. It wasn't like the light, normal, happy self that I usually am. I was a little more serious, but yeah, balance. That has been my biggest challenge since I started my career, turning my brain off, letting myself rest, knowing that I don't always have to be the hardest person working in the room, hardest working person in the room. I feel like that's been what I've been since I was 25 till now is that I've always had to be the hardest working person in the room. And I need to let that go and find balance. And I want to be the happiest person in the room now. <laughs> That's what I want now, is to be the happiest person. Yeah. I still want to be hardworking. My work ethic is not gone, but I need to be the happiest and to be a better person. I need to rest. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes you just need to like do nothing. I think that in order to be productive, you also need to rest, especially if you're in a creative field. There's research that says that creativity comes after rest <laughs> or yeah. like when your mind is at peace, that's when creativity comes in. Yeah. Like I left because I just was like, I don't think I'm creating my best work anymore. I wasn't phoning it in and I was still trying to be creative, but you still have those moments where you're like, I need to take time. Like during the lockdowns, I was doing so many projects and pushing myself and working on projects that I really enjoyed and connecting with people. And it felt really good. Like I felt rested and I felt like I was creating work that I really enjoyed. And then once things started opening up again, I wasn't having the time to really work on those projects. I did one big one that I loved with Steph Labe where I painted her gold and like tried to make her a trophy. But even then, like I got a couple images out. I haven't had a chance to look at the rest of the images yet. And that was in March. That's insane. She should have all these photos. But because again, like I wasn't paid for the work, it gets bumped. Your creative work gets bumped because you've got deadlines on this paid work. So it sucks. Like, and I took these three months, but honestly, I slept and lived my life. I didn't look at my computer and I didn't look at pictures and like, good for you. <laughs> yeah, I took some pictures, but I'm definitely in my next round of crisis. But it's not like my, <laughs> it's just like realizing it's like, I need to stop and enjoy the moment and worry less about the money and the clients and do stuff that just say, yes, I want to do that and just go do it. And that's not always work-based. I want to sleep all day. I want to watch TV all day. I want to watch The Office all day long. I don't want to feel guilty that I have photos on my computer to edit. I just want to do that. I just want to lay on the couch all day long. And then guess what? It's, it's nine o'clock at night. I'm going to go out. I'm going to go meet up with my friends or like go out and not worry that I have to go to work the next day. I'm just going to 
let go for a little bit of what I'm supposed to be doing and just do what I want to do for a little bit and enjoy that process and take time. And and then now try and figure out how to blend the two together and make it work for me. So I think that's like my, my, my challenge now is how do I make fun Candace and work Candace work together? (laughs) Like That's where I'm at at the moment. Thank you for sharing that. And Candace, can you share about a time in which you succeeded? So whatever success means for you, what happened and what did you do? I think just like my career in general, I don't feel like I've hit peak success by any point, but I think there's been little wins along the way. When I'm talking to my class and I'm speaking to my students, I say, set yourself a goal. If you're setting yourself a goal, every photography student comes in saying they want to work for National Geographic because that's been their exposure to really good photographic content in a journalistic they do it well they feature their photos very well in a journalistic kind of way so like that's kind of the benchmark for everybody is saying I want to work for National Geographic I'm like that's great how are you going to do it you're not going to come from first day of class to end of graduation working for National Geographic that's a very very difficult I'm not saying it's undoable But there are a million steps in between. You don't come from, I've never picked up a camera to now I work for National Geographic. There are all these little steps in between on those rungs on the ladder. I tell them it's like you're putting the rungs on the ladder and you're building those steps to get to that goal. So if that's your goal, now break it down into smaller goals, smaller wins and smaller victories. So I used to say that to my partner all the time, little victories, because you'd have all these giant tasks all the time and he'd complete one. And I'm like, oh, it's like little victories. And he loved it. And I don't know why he loved it. But yeah, it's, it's all these little steps along the way. So when I decided to refocus my career and move into sports or like even just right out of school, like one, one success was getting my freelance contract with Metro. That was a great day. I felt amazing. Then getting my contract with USA Today Sports. That got me more regularly in to shoot NHL. Then when I got my contract to shoot like as a contract photographer for the Hitman and the Roughnecks, that was a big deal because now I'm in with the teams. There's been some other big ones. Even just recently, it was from a referral from another photographer in Vegas. And I give him all the credit for referring me, but shooting the WNBA finals for ESPN. For me, that's a big win. Like, yes, it came from another photographer, but it's all the stuff that I did before that to make me competent enough and good enough to be able to do that and step in for him. Yeah. Step in for him and get the referral and do a good enough job to get another game, like more than one game. So for them to like my stuff enough to hire me again, like that was my success. That's not his. That's my success. That game too was my success. So those things have been successes on a personal non-professional level i think just over time becoming more self-aware it's a success knowing when i have a problem knowing i couldn't deal with my grief on my own so it's a success to know to go to go to therapy yeah to ask for help knowing when to ask for help is a success because that's a big step in healing and that's a big step in the journey i think another big success is my ability to connect with people that's a mark of being successful to me like even in my job like in my job being like having people buy into what i'm selling and believe in my brand and trust me and want to work with me loving their pictures that's a success that's always a success 
when people are sharing it and loving it and when they're in them. I don't necessarily care about the outside noise of other people that aren't in them, but it's the person that's in it that feels like I really captured who they are. That's a win for me. That's a success. So when I see my athletes that I work with or their mom, that actually matters to me too. When their mom is like, this is everything. This picture encapsulates exactly who they are. This shows exactly the love of what they do, that kind of stuff. Those feel like wins to me. My personal life, I don't know. Like, I feel like that balance part is still not a win, but I'm getting there. I'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) And Candice, can you share a time in which you failed? So what happened and how did you handle the situation? And what did you learn? You mentioned at the beginning, like, oh, I failed many times. So yeah, it can be a time where you messed up at work with your family, personally, really. It can be something little, something big, something that you consider that you failed, but that it taught you a lot. Oh, I don't, I, I don't know if I can pinpoint things specifically, but like, I, I don't care to fail. I'll fail all the time. That's fine. Because that's how you learn, really. Like, especially in photography, if you're not pushing yourself to the point of failure, you're never going to grow. You have to push to fail. You have to try something different. Like, obviously, with when it's client work, I do get my safety shots first, and then I try something a little different so that there's not, like, these major kickbacks. You know, there's the little failures, like... I forgot memory cards. I forgot batteries. I forgot my fate. One of my favorite ones was this guy I was doing. I didn't, this wasn't my fail. This guy picked me up for an assignment in when I was on my internship in Australia and he forgot all the camera equipment Oh no! Bed, and he forgot all the gears. He's like, but thankfully we were like super early. We were super, super early. So that was fine. I could give you two specific times that my pants have failed on me at games. <laughs> really (laughs) oh yeah my pants have ripped wide open during games and in the public it's it's very you know but I don't even even that doesn't really phase me too much I'm just like whatever I just got to keep doing my job like yeah (laughs) I gotta uh, get these amazing shots I don't care about anything yeah like the moment doesn't stop for ripped pants and your butt hanging (laughs) out like you just have to just keep going like you don't stop you get smacked in the face with something you don't stop you just keep going I think on a personal level outside of work I fail there too. I have no qualms about saying I'm still single. I obviously fail there. And I know that's not all their fault all the time. (laughs) As much as we'd love to blame the other person that it's their fault. It's not. I'm too work focused. I'm a little selfish there. Like I am a very generous and giving person, but my goals and my dreams are big. And sometimes that doesn't match with other people. So sometimes I'm not very accommodating to other people's goals and schedules in a partnership. So I fail there. And what I've learned from that too, is that on certain paths or certain transitional points in my life, that it's probably best failing at that makes me realize it's probably best to just be alone. That's kind of what I've learned is that right now, it's just best to be alone at the moment until I've hit a place where I feel like not that I want to share what I'm doing with them. It's that I'm willing to share what they're doing, that I'm willing to give up and sacrifice some of the stuff that I'm doing for them. And I'm not really in a place that I'm willing to do that at the moment, considering I'm transitioning and I'm living in my mom's house right now. That's not really a place to try and balance a partner and be fair to a partner. Is Calgary the end all be all for me? That's not fair to bring like a partner into that and be like, well, I've decided I'm going to leave Calgary. 
So you have to decide to move with me. Or then I have to give up what I'm working towards to stay in Calgary because yeah. of their, their goals. So learning that and like failing in relationships and things like that, like it's fine. What I'm learning from it is that it's fine to be alone. And sometimes it's good to be alone to make sure that you're making the right decisions for yourself to be a better person so that you're not half of who you are and then now giving another half. So you're only a quarter of who you really are. Let's be this whole person or close to a whole person first and then be okay to welcome to welcome somebody in so that I don't keep making those mistakes and keep failing and in, in not being open to supporting their dreams or their their futures. So that's kind of on a personal level where I've where I've failed and now have learned to be better and just be alone and figure out what I'm doing first before making somebody else's life a living hell. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, I guess like you don't want to sacrifice yourself as well, right? Like you first need to do what you want to do. And then once you're ready, you can be like, okay, yeah, I'm ready now. <laughs> well, I think I just would be unfair. Like I would be unfair yeah. to somebody at the moment. I'm definitely over the years have, have gotten enough confidence and enough drive to understand that sometimes my purpose is more important to me than somebody else's. Well, not all the time. It's just some of the connections that I've made, I would still value my purpose over theirs. So until I'm willing to sacrifice some of that or find the right balance of person where we're uplifting each other equally, I'd rather just wait and wait for that to to kind of happen naturally before asking anyone to sacrifice anything for me. I'm not the type of person to ask somebody to go out of their way to sacrifice something for them because I'm at this point in my life, like in my age. And I think that circles right back to the very beginning of being 25 and hearing you're just a waitress living in a basement. So I was being asked to sacrifice everything I wanted to go back to my hometown for everything they wanted. So I don't want to put, yeah. somebody, I don't want to put somebody ever in that position to say, Hey, what I'm doing is more important than what you're doing, or I'm more important yeah. than you are. So you should give up. I don't want to put someone in that position ever. So until I'm ready to be like, I would do it for you, or we're on the same path, or we're like, you know, things align really well. I'm, I'm not interested in it. And it's not just for my selfishness. It's also for theirs. I failed enough there. And also, it's also a fail to put my career over everything. That's also the part of the balance. So yeah, I fail all the time professionally and personally, and I'm okay with it. I love that. Just like embrace it. Like you were successful at everything you did. You are not growing. You are not learning. I feel like you maybe are not the most humble person. Like you have to even think like somebody like LeBron has failed. Serena Williams has failed. They fail in life, they fail professionally. That whole Michael Jordan commercial about his failures, those are the things that create the person that you are now. So don't be afraid of failing. Like it's okay to fail. And even in relationships, like you are going to be so lucky if one of them works out and it's still going to end because one of you at the end of it is going to pass away before the other one. So you try and make every relationship just fit for the sake of not failing. There's your failure. <laughs> You're failing yourself by not being open to having them fail and not finding the right fit for you down the road. You're going to have way more that fail than succeed. So 
be okay with the failure once and laugh, write it in your diary, read it to your friends, laugh about it as much as you can, because some of this crap is hilarious. And if you can't laugh at your failures, then what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, like we're, gonna, we're going to die anyways. <laughs> so enjoy it, like fail lots, put yourself out there and fail a ton. That's when the funny stuff happens. And that's when the memorable stuff happens. Like, yes, the successes are amazing. And they feel great, but like taking a moment to enjoy your failures. Honestly, like I said, I write everything down and I've I've journaled forever, but I it's funnier to say my diary because it just sounds really funny. And being the age that I'm at and reading my diaries, like I will honestly call my friends and read them pieces of it. And they're ridiculous. Some of the stuff, one of them was my cousin. We were in high school and we were counseling at a camp and I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, we're here at the camp, blah, blah, blah. It's fun. I'm like, it's 9.35 and she is wearing no pants. And like, that's how I read, like, I know that's how I wrote it and I, how I read, like, set it in my head. Or like these random things, like one friend asked me, oh, did you mention me in your diary? I really wanted to be your friend. And this is like when we were in college and she asked me this recently. And I'm like, I looked through it. I'm like, I literally list my friends and you are not on here. <laughs> she was so bad. This is so funny. I love reading this. Reading how my brain thought at 25 or at 15 years old, it is hilarious. Being 19, being like, oh, I'm so in love with this person. I'm so going to marry them. Thankfully, I'm still friends with that person, but I don't even want to read that too because it's so embarrassing. It's just so funny to see your mindset and all the things you did fail at, but it's okay because you are in a better place because you learn from it. But reminders are super fun. So I do recommend starting a diary and uh, reading it 10 years later or reading it to your friends because it's funny as hell. <laughs> and Candice, I have three more questions. Like, So I want to ask you what has motivated you or what motivates you? Success motivates me. Those little victories, those moments, that high from those moments. I wouldn't say failure motivates me, like the lesson you learn from it just to do better. And then motivating, like, again, being a proper representation of for women in sports and culture, but even like on a personal level, playing sports, I want more women to get involved in playing sports, just being out there and doing it and showing people, hey, I'm X age, and I'm still out playing recreationally and, and having a good time and connecting with other women just being a good example for others. Like, I think that kind of motivates me. Like, I, it's not that I necessarily care what others think of me. It's more that I want them to think higher of themselves. That's more what I care about is that I want them to think for more of themselves. That's kind of motivating for me. Thank you. And you spoke a little bit about this, but what are your goals or plans for the future? Well, <laughs> yeah. I would love to be the first Indigenous woman to be a team photographer for an NHL team. That's a big one. Not there yet. I contract with the organization. I'm not in the organization. I'm not an employee. I contract with the organization of a pro team, but I'm not there yet. Again, at this point, I'm just waiting for the right door to open. I'm just waiting for the right person to open the right door. I don't know how much more I can push my work further. Always. I can always be creating and innovating. But at this point, I do think my work is comparable and if not better than some of the people in the league. And I'm sorry if that offends anyone, but I have been shooting in an NHL building for 
this is my 10th season now. Like I'm, I am qualified to do the job and I've been working with teams professionally, like not just the quality of my work, but the relationships that I build and the contacts and the work that I do, getting the trust of the athletes, the trust of the brand, my ability to draw the emotion. I'm ready and I'm qualified for that kind of job. So I feel like it's just a matter of time, but really it's, it's just a matter of the right person opening the right door. That's, that's the goal. I would love to do a little more work in the NFL. I'd love to do more speaking gigs with like within my community. I think that connect more with some of our youth and some of our women in the communities. I'd love to do that a little bit more, but again, it's that balance and the timing, getting the, the timing right and the opportunities to be able to get out to some of these communities and do that kind of stuff. I'd love to mentor a little bit more like on the teaching end of things. I'm not sure where that's going to go, but I would love to mentor more Indigenous people in photography. I think that that's kind of where my path would like to go at this point. On a personal level, find a home. <laughs> Just kidding. That's that's a very short term. That's a very short term goal. I think my five year plan is to get a dog, and that's a little tough right now, not having a home. So yeah, a new companion. <laughs> yeah. And Candice, I know you just said that you would like to mentor and you were even saying young people get a diary so you can laugh about yourself. So what advice do you have for today's 20-somethings or what do you wish you knew when you were 25? First one, I think physical health. Taking care of your physical health and your mental health, they, they combine very well. Find something that gets you moving, that you enjoy doing, that gets you moving physically be out there doing something whether it's just a walk a bike ride playing sports like for me it has to be a sport mentally I have a hard time doing anything that's solo I need that social component to go with it but basketball best I play a little bit of lacrosse very little beginner women's non-contact lacrosse and it's amazing because I get out I run around I'm chasing a ball it's super fun the physical health like if I had known what I know now at 25 I would have been much much better of taking care of my physical health and weight training because also in my career like I have to climb lift squat kneel crawl I'm doing a lot of physical stuff all the time so I am much better at taking care of my body. So I'll do yin yoga. I'll stretch every day. I get out and play basketball. I've not been the best lately. Worrying less about your weight, the number of your weight, but how you feel, how your joints feel, how you're moving, if things are stiff, sore, taking care of that stuff at 25 versus the age I'm at now because you're going to heal a lot faster. If I'd been taking better care of my knees and my legs and my muscles, I may have had an easier time with my ACL recovery. If I had a better diet, my diet is not great. Like I said, because of the balance, I was eating McDonald's and Red Bull, eating a more balanced diet versus taking care of yourself physically and mentally. 25, I think I was okay walking away from relationships that don't serve you and i don't mean that in like romantic relationships i mean in friendships as well i say this a lot that i want to be surrounded by winners i want to be surrounded by people that uplift me and i can uplift them equally and i genuinely want them to succeed so that's how i am now is that my circle of people and the circle of around me these people are winners they are not sucking the energy out of me of course when they have hard times i'm there for them because they're also there for me everything's not sunshine and rainbows for me all the time 
So they're there for me, but they also put the effort in equally. It doesn't feel like work. Sometimes it might feel like work, but for the most part, it it flows easy. So when relationships are not serving you, just because you've had them for a long time doesn't mean you should keep having them. You will make new friends. You will have new partners that fit better in your life. So don't be afraid to walk away from them for your own mental health and emotional health. Surround yourself with people that uplift you and that you want to uplift yourself. Like you want to put the effort in, but they also want to do it back. So you may be with a partner that you support constantly, but maybe they're not supporting you back. And you have to know when to walk away from that because there will be tons of other people in your life that will come in and you just need to recognize when, when the good ones are there and uh, put the work into those people and help support those people, because that's just going to make life a lot easier and more fulfilling, really. Thank you so much, Candice, for taking the time to do this. It was lovely to meet you. And I loved hearing all about your experiences and like what you've learned about your journey. So thank you so much. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the episode or you think it will be helpful for someone, feel free to share. You can also find the written stories at medium.com slash project 25. If you know someone who would like to share their experience being 25, you can send me a message at the email that's on the episode description or through our social media channels, which are also listed on the episode description. Thank you for your time. I hope you have a wonderful day. I'll see you later. Bye-bye.